it's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. News Radio Studios in Midtown Manhattan. It's the fastest growing radio talk show. Brian Kilmeade. Thanks so much for being here, everybody. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show. One eight six six four eight. One eight six six four eight eight. We're going to uh, be taking your phone calls in just a second, but first I'm going to try to get these TVs off, and then we'll be all set. Okay, there we go. All right, uh, with me right now in studio is Kevin Roberts and Carly Shimkus. It's time to uh, call Shimkus at the bottom of the arrow. Let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. Representative Governor, Senator Braun, Senator Booker, Representative Jackie, are you here? Where's Jackie? I didn't think she was was going to be here. Uh, Pretty unbelievable, right? Unexplainable, inexcusable, and alarming. The president forgets a lawmaker who died, asked for her in a crowd, who, by the way, he called her uh, to express his regrets to the surviving of the to her husband is Jackie Wilarski's family. Uh, How do you explain that? And how do you explain that almost nobody covered it until the press conference? Number two. We're in a bunch of close races. I think we have a 50-50 shot of getting the Senate back. It's going to be really, really close either way, in my view. Wow. So an optimistic Senator Mitch McConnell compared to where he was, a midterm movement uh, and momentum. Uh, The Pennsylvania Senate race is tightening. So is the governor's race in New York. We'll review the numbers and everywhere the Republicans seem to be making gains and where the Democrats are rejiggering their message. Number one. It may end up being a Category 5, but at a minimum, it's going to be a very strong Category 4 that's going to rank as one of the top five hurricanes to ever hit the Florida Peninsula. Uh, That is Governor Ron DeSantis moments ago addressing uh, uh, the people of Florida and around the country and the federal government, giving us an update on Hurricane Ian, uh, the top five most powerful hurricanes that have slammed Florida in its uh, illustrious history. Right now, uh, the first lady of the state is speaking, and uh, I'm not sure what she's addressing, but she's obviously a a local anchor, really looked up to in Jacksonville when they first met. And that's where he was a congressman originally. Uh, Governor Ron DeSantis so far in control as we see more and more what is left behind. With me right now is Kevin Roberts, Heritage Foundation president. And Kevin, we'll talk about politics, but first things first, in Florida, so many people relocated there from the Northeast, especially New York. This is maybe their first hurricane. It, it is. And, you know, I grew up on the Gulf Coast in Louisiana, Brian. Watching this coverage reminds me of Hurricane Andrew in 1992, which was a direct hit on my hometown. And and obviously living through that, that day of those winds and that devastation is awful. But as you and I were talking about a couple minutes ago, the real test for everybody will come the next few days and weeks. And so for people who've recently relocated there, what a rude awakening to what life is like on the coast. I mean, we thought it was going to hit in Tampa. It hit in Fort Myers. Uh, they seem to be a, somewhat surprised by it. And then the sheriff came out and, you know, I was talking, texting with Marco Rubio. He says he's a great guy, but he says, uh, we know there's hundreds dead and he has no confirmation on that. But I did hear from somebody off the record there, they've seen bodies. So there is going to be some fatalities, 
But to say hundreds, if that's not true, that's strange for him to say that. Look, there's you and I both know there's no way that he knows that. I'm not going to sit here and, and question his motive, but he's got to be more responsible about that because – Unfortunately, Brian, there's little doubt that there will be fatalities. Obviously, we hope for our fellow Americans those are those are minimal. Between the human toll of this and the, the toll of having 10, 20 feet of, of storm surge in your homes, this is going to be a major recovery effort, especially when you consider that part of Florida and that very well-run, booming state is, is like the engine of the state. Right. I mean, you got 7,000 National Guard been mobilized already, 40,000 emergency workers ready to go, and we have equipment staged uh, in various areas. Ron DeSantis has been very cool under pressure. That's how he's characterized. I talked to Jared Kushner and uh, about what, his time in the pandemic, and we were talking, and he said, I said, who are you in the most communication with? He said, like clockwork, uh, Governor DeSantis would call me every day, and he'd crunch numbers. He'd have opinions. He asked me if this was right or this was wrong. And that's, type of, that's somebody that's got the military background, the Yale uh, and Harvard degrees, and somebody that wants to pull this off. So far, so good. So far, so good. He's And I have a lot of scrutiny of that from a policy point of view. And growing up on the Gulf Coast, you think about what happened in Louisiana with, with Governor Blanco at that point. But DeSantis thus far gets near perfect marks. I mean, he prepared the state well. I don't mean that as a political statement. We ought not be thinking about politics as Americans, although, of course, the Biden administration wants to. I think he's going to do really well because he's got the leadership profile to communicate well, to make really good decisions. And when he needs to push the feds, to act quicker, we know that he's willing to do it. And he'll go to the microphone and say when he's not getting it. I remember, and I brought this up to Rick Scott when he was Governor Scott, but just now a senator on Fox and & Friends, and after that, uh, the, after that club shooting uh, in Orlando, he said, I have not heard from President Obama. And, he, and President Obama was coming into town and never called the Republican governor, and yet he was already in his second term. Yet be a leader. And he said, so far, President Biden, after waiting a few days— Came out and called and even called again this morning. Says, yeah, I'm glad you called because we have a few more counties that are under duress. I'd like you to declare them emergencies, which allows individuals to go up and say, I've lost my house. I have no spending money. I need some clothes. I need a place to go. So that allows individuals to go up to FEMA. It, it's crucial. And, and if President Biden, in fact, is going to be the uniter that he promised to be in the last election, he, this is the opportunity for him to show it. Obviously, DeSantis, you and I were just watching his press conference, has done a really good job of just being focused on helping his people. It's really crucial for all of us to understand that the scope of this particular natural disaster is going to last not for weeks, but for months and probably a couple of years. This is when you can shorten that recovery. Right. Uh, yeah. How quick to get the power back on, how quick you get people food and be responsive. That will ultimately be his grade. So I was shocked about a few things. And we know a major gap by the president yesterday is everyone concerned. How about this? What about this choice to say this at this time? Cut nine. If you forgive me, I want to add one more warning. That's warning to the oil and gas industry executives. Do not. Let me repeat. Do not. Do not use this as an excuse to raise gasoline prices or gouge the American people. Again, he's vilifying oil and gas companies. Is he's not? If he's not trying to destroy them, he is ripping them, blaming them for high gas prices. It's just juvenile pandering, Brian. In fact, it it, it really angers me because you need every kind of business owner to really dig deep and help people, and that's what Americans do. And so, this is clearly something Biden sees as a political opportunity. And I want to be really clear: if anyone's gouging the American people, it's Biden and his administration and his allies in Congress who keep 
in effect, raising taxes by passing more spending that leads directly to inflation. And we'll let refineries open, which will bring the, we'll bring the oil and gas down. So when the oil industry has responded, quote, it's an unfolding weather event. Our industry is focused on keeping the energy market well supplied and delivering fuels when they need it, most while ensuring the safety of our workforce. Gasoline prices are determined by market forces, not individual companies. And claims that the price of the pump is anything but a function of supply and demand are false. So he doesn't even know what he's talking about. Well, we already know that, right? Because if he had even an eighth-grade understanding of economics, he wouldn't be pushing for all of the legislation that's happened in his administration. He was telling people, why if the barrel of oil is $76, has prices of gas gone up for the last five or six days? But he says right away it's it's those horrible gas station owners, because we know how rich they are, and it's these horrible oil executives. And and, and interestingly, as as we know – to your point, most gas station owners are small businesses. They own one location. They are scraping by, especially during a period of inflation. We shouldn't be vilifying these people. We should be actually celebrating what they're doing for the American economy. Uh, especially while uh, Western Europe pines for some type of oil and gas relief and good allies would provide that and we can. So I want you to hear what the president said yesterday in a, a lightly covered event about nutrition he was uh, looking for somebody who played a role in putting together this conference, Jackie Walorski, who sadly, tragically died in a car accident about a month ago. Listen to this. Cut 17. And I want to thank all of you here for in- including bipartisan elected officials like Representative Governor, Senator Braun, Senator Booker, Representative Jackie. Are you here? Where's Jackie? I didn't think she was, she was going to be here. Okay. You know why she's not there? Uh, because she's dead. Uh, and I don't know who put that in his copy or what he was reading, what he was thinking. Kevin, what are your thoughts on this? And by the way, the pool report didn't have this major gaffe in it. I think it's one of the worst examples in a litany of leftist media bias, Brian, which you live through every day. President Biden and my dad are exactly the same age. And I tell my dad, who's a great conservative, that if you ever exhibited signs of that kind of decline mentally, I would drive to where you are and I would bring you to be checked out. And I would do that because of love for you. So that when I see this president with whom I disagree on everything do that, I'm sad for this country, but it also scares the daylights out of me, Brian, as someone with four kids and who loves this country, that there's no way he's capable of making decisions. And you think about what's confronting the United States, not just domestically, but in terms of foreign policy with the Chinese Communist Party, with with Putin. There is no way that he's the one making decisions. It really ought to concern all of us, including his party. Or he thinks he's making decisions. For example, when he came out with the one China policy and they walked him back for the fourth time. It's unbelievable. And they said, well, the president has not changed at all and we have not changed our mission. But they never answered the question, nor are they pressed. Can you imagine if President Trump came out and tried to salute somebody that was dead? I mean, there's no way. And, they and, wouldn't even cover the hurricane on CNN. They no. would have covered just his gaffe. And, and you and I are both old enough to remember when the, the media in the late 80s would make fun of President Reagan. Always. And, and there was no substance there, at least at that point in his life. The point is it raises the question, who's actually running the country? That's an equally scary question. So listen to this. The least skilled press secretary in the history of our nation is now in charge. So this happens. And it's the Washington Post who asked the question. Karine Jean-Pierre, listen to this. Now, I know she's in a tough spot in defense of her. What do you do when you know something this cataclysmic has happened? There are no fatalities in this, but what does it lead you to believe? Cut 18. If the late Congresswoman was top of mind for the president and her family was expected to be here and that's what he was thinking about, what, why was he looking for her? I'm, I'm not trying to be snarky here. No, I mean, and I'm... Nope. You were saying what he said there. And again, 
I think people can understand. I think the American people out there who, you know, watch the briefing uh, from time to time, maybe at this moment, will understand when someone is at top of mind. Uh, and uh, and this was such an important, uh, such an important event when we're talking about hunger, when we're talking about food insecurity, when we're talking about these champions, these congressional champions who were in the room, who have worked in a bipartisan way. Uh, we know we don't talk much about bipartisan actions that we see in Congress at this okay, time. Okay, it's pathetic. Terrible spin. Um, here's more. So they didn't let up. And this wasn't Peter Ducey and it wasn't Fox. Cut 20. Would you be prepared to release the prepared remarks that the president had in teleprompter just so we could understand? Uh, I'm not understanding why why that would be would be necessary. We always share uh, the remarks that the president uh, had, um, uh, even you know delivered. That's probably going to be up on the website. Uh, not really sure what that has to do with anything. I just answered the question about her being on top of mind. I don't think that's any that's unusual. I feel like many of us have gone through uh, that particular. Uh, you know, time where someone is on top of mind and you call them out. No, she's a specialist in using a lot of words and saying nothing. And and I think if I may make a prediction here, Brian, what's going to happen is the president's party is going to take it in the chin for midterms and then his own party is going to turn against him. And to your point, the reporters asking those questions are not strident conservatives, right? These are people probably left of center who are are concerned, and I think that's going to grow. And it it leads me to believe 2023 is going to be already a very interesting year, even more so if the left abandons Biden. Want to know what's worse? He called the husband, and they put the White House flag at half mass. And the husband says, you know, it's forgivable, but who? he's not mad. Was was he going to be mad at him? Of course, it's not as if he disparaged her, but I'm concerned for, back to your original point, I'm, I'm concerned for the country. Are you kidding? Are you kidding? Uh, I, I mean, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it, it, I don't it, know what to say. It's a big deal, right? And and I don't think the president intended to do it. That's sort of the point. I'm sure the the, the widower of the congressman was was gracious. But the point is, compare that to the decisions that need to be made about Taiwan, about the Chinese Communist Party, about Ukraine and Russia. There's no way Joe Biden is capable of making this. All right. When we come back, uh, we'll have a few more minutes with uh, Kevin Roberts. Uh, he's Heritage Foundation president for the last year. How's it been going? Uh, what does he expect uh, leading up to 2022 and right after? You're listening to The Brian Kilmeade Show. Don't move. Educating. Entertaining. Enlightening. You're with Brian Kilmeade. I'm Guy Benson. Join me weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern as we break down the biggest stories of the day with some of the biggest newsmakers and guests. Listen live on the Fox News app or get the free podcast at GuyBensonShow.com. Out of the gates and ready to go. Hey, it's Hutton with Row. Hot Mike is here on the Outkick Network. We've got your afternoon covered with the latest sports discussion, and it's available wherever you find your audio. Daily analysis and news. He is hot. I am Mike. Actually, my <laughs> name is Chad. His name is Jonathan. But you get the picture. We're going to bring it every single day. Whatever you want to call us, we'll respond to. We just want you to respond to what we're dishing out every day. And while you're here, we hope you'll subscribe to the podcast, like, subscribe, and share. He's so busy, he'll make your head spin. It's Brian Kilmeade. In every election, every year, this year, past years, 
It's great to have terrific candidates. We're in a bunch of close races. I think we have a 50-50 shot of getting the Senate back. It's going to be really, really close either way, in my view. So Mitch McConnell, a lot different now, uh, and I think people got to him. Also, I think there's Kevin Roberts. I think there's some legitimate optimism here. Uh, let's let's break it down if I can. Put I know who you want to win, but Dom Bullock, Governor Sununu, and he sparred. The minute he gets the nomination, he goes, I'm all for the general. So what do you think his chances are, being that he never got the Trump uh, treatment, he never was got the anointment from Trump, and now he's backing off saying that the election was fixed? I, I think I take a step back from that because I, I want the conservatives to win so that good policy is passed. I see in the last two weeks a shift back toward the conservative candidates, Brian. And I think in New Hampshire, as you're talking about, in Ohio, I think even in Arizona, where the Republican nominee, Blake Masters, is is told by the media he has no chance. I actually think we're going to get not just a few dozen seats in the House. I do think there will be a conservative majority in the Senate. But let me just say, being the president of the largest conservative think tank in the world. By the way, 538 said there's only a 17 percent chance. Yeah, but see, they also said that that Hillary Clinton was going to win on election night in 2016. Leading the largest conservative policy group, we want these men and women to win so that we get conservative policy passed. It's not enough merely to have a Republican majority. It looks like Fetterman, who is the least qualified person to ever run for office, especially after a stroke, he is Bernie Sanders in a hoodie. And he does not reflect what I thought Pennsylvania was, whether you're conservative or liberal. You're not that. So he is now taking Black Lives Matter off his website. He's trying to be a law and order guy. Well, you already have him on record saying he wants to release a third of the prisoners. Oz is within four. I understand the Republican Party has not coalesced around him. Is that true? That is true. I do think that there has been movement toward him by the party apparatus in Pennsylvania over the last two weeks. You see, I think the fruit of that is narrowing the uh, the spread. You've also seen something similar in Georgia happen, where I now believe that Herschel Walker is going to defeat the incumbent. Well, have you met Herschel? I haven't met him personally. Um, I, I had a chance to spend a couple of days with him, known him past, and you don't see a guy studying harder. He wants to be underestimated. The guy's studying like crazy. He's approaching it just like he did in sports and business. So he's not going to be outworked. And we'll see what happens on the debate. He's effectively lowering the bar. Um, and the other, the other big story is the president of the United States got a super PAC with $100 million. He helped get Mastriano in there, get Oz in there, get Blake Masters in there. Uh, that's just uh, J.D. Vance. Is the pre- did you ask the president to start spending money for these candidates? You know, I I wish I had that kind of influence, but we do joke about this at Heritage because while we don't make endorsements, these are our kind of guys. And what I mean by that is they are conservatives. They want to go to Washington, D.C. or their state capital for the gubernatorial candidates. And what do they want to do, Brian? They want to restore self-governance to the American people. Sign up the Heritage Foundation for anyone who wants to do that because the clock is ticking in order to take this republic back. Right, and we'll see if it's going to happen. Uh, Kevin Roberts at the helm, uh, the Heritage Foundation president. You can follow him at Kevin Roberts TX Texas, right? Yes, sir. All right. Uh, thanks so much, Kevin. Great to see you. Thanks for having Best me, Best luck in the next five weeks. It's going to be exciting. We'll have you on again. When we come back, we're going to be stuck with Carly Shimka. See if she has anything to say.
information you want, truth you demand. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. Well, I think it's clearly the biggest flood event we've ever seen in that part of the state. Um, and that's not just Lee and Charlotte. That would be Collier. And yet, massive, massive storm surge. You have places in, in those counties that have massive standing water. That, of course, presents a lot of hazards on the back end. I mean, we've been telling folks, be, be careful once the storm goes past. There were seven deaths directly caused by Hurricane Irma. There were 77 deaths caused in the aftermath for things like down power lines or misusing generators. So that's going to be a major, major disaster. That is uh, the governor on our channel just gave a press conference and also points out that Florida has been slammed by Hurricane uh, Ian. Now, on top of that, Georgia is about to get hit and the Carolinas all have a state of emergency. In fact, all the way up to uh, Virginia. We did hear the reports in Carly Shimkus in studio. You'll probably watch. You watched her all morning and you're also uh, watching her on Fox Nation. But, uh, Carly, also, we're looking at the point, the, the hurricane hitting a place not exactly where we thought. We thought Tampa. Fort Myers ends up being the place. It looks pretty devastated. But now we're getting to see everything. And this hit, night fell. So for the last few hours, we're starting to see everything. And then the sheriff comes out and said uh, they think hundreds are dead. Yeah. Which, it's like, wow. Which is um, an estimate. It's a fear of theirs right now. But and I wish he said fear. I know, yes. Um, because you you hear a sheriff, he's a local official, and you hear him say he thinks hundreds are dead, and then, you know, you, you repeat it. But then Governor DeSantis said that that number is not at all confirmed, and that's just a concern given how much destruction was caused. But you talk to other meteorologists um, who are looking at the storm damage, looking at the size of the storm, looking ex- at exactly where it hit in an area that people didn't necessarily expect it would. And they think that number could e- be even higher than hundreds. And, and Carly, now we understand the storm is uh, with our listeners, WOKV in Jacksonville area. Mayport's there, this big uh, naval base. We know we got National Guard all over the place, big military community. So many choose to retire there. So they're usually good under pressure just by the nature of their training. You got the ocean, you got a ton of rivers, you got the intercoastal, you got a lot of canals. So not a great combination, but for the longest time, up until the last hurricane, Jacksonville's been safe from this stuff. And now this will be the second time. And I'm waiting to see what's going to happen because I haven't seen many pictures. Yeah. uh, Well, the pictures really tell the story. And I think you're absolutely right. It's interesting um, to report on a storm that's happening all throughout the day. And because the wind is whipping so hard, you can't see anything. You're hearing reporters on the ground, but the real gravity of the situation will definitely be um, much more present in the top of people's minds in the next hours to come when you can get drones in the sky and take pictures and really see uh, exactly the extent of the damage. And uh, Governor DeSantis said yesterday that there were a a bunch of people that live in Tampa and they travel to Fort Myers, which is about 110, 120 miles south of Tampa because they thought they were doing the right thing because everybody was thinking that Tampa was going to get hit. And inadvertently, they didn't know it at the time, but they were – traveling into the hardest hit area of the storm. So you have to feel bad for those people as well. Yeah, stay away from Naples, one of the richest areas in the country, but they don't want people driving. You saw some of the devastation uh, due to high water. I also thought it was interesting that the sheriff told me today, I said, Sheriff, you keep on hearing you want coordination. Outside money, what does the federal government need? And he said, high water vehicles. I yeah. Wow. I said, yeah, we need them from other states. Right. So I have actually what Governor DeSantis said yesterday. Uh, where is it? Um 
He said it yesterday during the press conference. Oh, I don't ha- I I remember the number. I think he said it was Oh, that's right. He said they have 250 aircraft and 1600 high water vehicles staged around Florida ready to make rescues. Um and those are so important because you look at the streets already and their rivers. And then yeah. you think about these barrier islands and Brian, you know that par- partial bridge that collapsed um off the coast of Fort Myers and that what's that little island called Sanibel? Yeah, Sanibel. Sanibel yeah. Island. Um, I hope I can say this on the air. We were we were gonna. I'm really worried about this. We were gonna have a guest that was kind of hunkering down in Sanibel Island in in the four o'clock hour, and we could we didn't hear from him. We don't know what happened. So, wow. Um, yeah. That's, that that's concerning. And then you hear about the bridge that collapsed, and that's really I, I guess your only way to mainland Tampa. Um, and Sanibel, I don't think, is very far away from where the where the storm made landfall. So it's just, again, we're just waiting and seeing how much damage was caused. And well, we also have WDBO listeners in Orlando area, and I was shocked. The first reporter we had, it was getting pelted by the rain. Yeah. And you would think central, central, yeah, central Florida, you wouldn't think would be a problem, but Orlando's paying the price. And remember, it was so rare. Disney never closes. Disney yeah. never, Disney's closed again. Do you know how many how much money they lose every day that they close? Not that this company needs money, but um, it's an $82 million loss each day that they close. But you have to, because even though it's in the center of the state, um, the storm is making its way towards I guess, I guess it's still over Orlando or past Orlando yeah. right now. But then uh, I was listening to Janice earlier today, and it's going to go up the East Coast. So if you're in Georgia or South Carolina or North Carolina, once it hits the Atlantic, because water is the main power source for a hurricane, it could it could turn from a tropical storm to a hurricane again. Nothing like the Category 4 slash 5 that hit the West Coast. But still, it's still scary. Yeah. That's why, I mean, living in Florida is such an incredible thing for so many people to do. But I don't know. I would always feel very uneasy about owning property right on the coast because it's so beautiful. You have some, don't you? Am I allowed to say that? Um, you have some. And I would always just be really concerned. Like, how long is this going to be mine All the, for, for a long time? Although they are fortified. A lot of these homes are fortified. We're looking at a fire in one house right now on Fox News on Sanibel Island, Florida. I don't know why it's on fire, but... Obviously, something happened. Maybe a generator. Who knows? Uh, yeah, as I mentioned, one of the things that people do is say, "Let me bring the generator inside. I don't want it to get wet." Yeah. Well, do you know why? Yeah, because they don't want it to get wet. They don't want to put in the elements, so they'll go out and, well, and bring it in their why house. Why would it start a fire if you bring it in? Uh, something about the exhaust and the oh, heat that it gives off that okay. ignites anything in its path. So you got newspapers, you have rags, you have anything around there. So uh, yeah. that was a big problem. Airports are closed in Orlando, Tampa, Jacksonville, everything in Southwest Florida, um, as well as Daytona. And Melbourne, they are scrambling. All these major carriers are scrambling to get cell phone service back. What you got to do is get these battery-powered cell phone chargers. That's the key, or else you're pretty much out of power right now. Did you also hear yesterday, um, as all this was happening, the storm was raging on, um, Border Patrol rescued four Cuban migrants. Their boat sank because they were trying to get to the Florida coast. Wow. Their boat had several dozen immigrants in it, and four were able to swim to the coast, and the Coast Guard was looking for the others. Unbelievable, because Cuba got destroyed. Uh, Cuba got hit with this first, yeah. so it got just – it was like a buzzsaw a right point. through there. Yeah. Uh, a couple, I want to talk about – when we get back, I want to talk about what's happening uh, in politics, also what the president did yesterday, uh, forgetting a deceased lawmakers that she had actually died. Unbelievable to me. So we do have a lot more to discuss and somebody else I always talk about with what's happening with Russia and Ukraine is is fascinating. 
Now there's intercepts picked up by cell phones that Russian soldiers were not supposed to use that was published in the New York Times today that talk about how horrific things are for Russia and how they were basically executing Ukrainian civilians because they didn't want to be identified. And that's what the mass carnage in these mass graves are about. And now you have more proof if you want to bring uh, 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 charges uh, charges against uh, this president, Vladimir Putin, as well as his troops. Uh, you listen to the Brian Kilmeade Show. Carly Shimkus is here for a little while longer. Don't move. Giving you everything you need to know. You're with Brian Kilmeade. From his mouth to your ears, it's Brian Kilmeade. If we do get the majorities, obviously we're going to reprioritize all the Biden agenda um, items because clearly this is, you know, we've got an economy that's wobbly. We have a 40-year high inflation. We've got an energy crisis in the country. We've got a border crisis in this country. Uh, we're going to have to literally uh, start from ground zero and do everything we can to reverse some of the harm that's been done through those massive spending bills. And to your point, uh, you know, the 87,000 new employees at the IRS, for example, is one area where uh, I think uh, a Republican Congress, through the power of the purse, through the appropriations process and through the confirmation process, may be able to leverage and, and get the administration, uh, you know, to go back on some of these um, huge new uh, spending programs that they started as a result of those two big spending bills. And also locking all the discounts from 2017, including the corporate tax rate. Uh, Carly Shimkus here. Uh, Carly, Senator John Thune saying that they that's if they get the Senate in the House and then pressure him to do some of these things in some type of compromise fashion. But we'll see where that president. goes. Yeah. Well, when it was Bill Clinton, it worked and he decided to pivot when he lost a bunch of House and Senate seats. Um, I don't know. Would, do you think that President Biden would pivot like that and just say, you know what, I do need to work across the aisle finally? You would think that initially because that is sort of his personality, but I do think he's also changed. I think a oh. lot of it is I think a lot of it is weakness because he's following with the loudest voices in the party and those loudest voices always tend to be the most radical ones. And by the way, we're following everything with Hurricane Ian. It's now a tropical storm making his way right, cutting right through Florida, about to slam into Georgia and Governor Brian Kemp just addresses people there in a state of emergency. So I want you to hear, or everyone at home hear, what the president actually said yesterday, which is, keep in mind, this Jackie Walorski tragically died in a car accident. So she's a Democrat, at which time the president reportedly called the family, grieved with them, put the uh, flag at half-staff at the White House. But it didn't stop him from saying this, cut 17. I want to thank all of you here for including bipartisan elected officials like Representative Governor, Senator Braun, Senator Booker, Representative Jackie, are you here? Where's Jackie? I didn't think she was, she was going to be here. She's died. And number one, was he reading that in the copy? Does he have the worst staff ever? The ones that put those little basic things on nose cards, like say hello, that we see spotted because he holds him the wrong direction? I mean, what do you think about that? I I, the, I, it's absolutely unexcusable. It's just, it's a shame. I feel like her, her family, maybe they'll take the high ground, but it's definitely um, too, way too soon to be making this mistake. And yes, he did release a statement after she passed away. Tragically, so did two of her staffers. And it's also really hard to talk about because 
you don't want to just you don't want to criticize the president in the name of someone who just passed away. Um, and you have to be really respectful for the to the family and how they're feeling right now. But it also is just like an unbelievably it's an unbelievable mistake. You hear that and your jaw drops. You go, this isn't this is another example here. The husband was interviewed. Mm-hmm. He said uh, he said it's OK. Unforgivable. No. But, yeah, it's a big mess up. Yeah. But I just it's a can't good answer. See, listen. You, that's not a really a gaffe that makes anybody laugh or say, Oh, no, Aha. it's not. No, that's not it funny at all. It's disconcerting that he didn't quickly correct himself. Uh, he didn't say, Jack, oh, what am I saying? She this passed was away a huge, tragically. This was a huge and tragedy, role, and it just happened. And her role in nutrition and pushing this forward yes. is so important. That's why I said it. Instead, he leaves it to his press secretary, who has yet to display communication skills that would warrant the position. And the Washington Post is the one that kept pushing her to to say, and I, I played a couple of these cuts already. So the Washington Post is, can you tell me how this happened? Cut 20. Would you be prepared to release the prepared remarks that the president had in teleprompter just so we could understand? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, I'm not understanding why why that would be, would be necessary. We always share uh, the remarks that the president uh, had, um, uh, even, you know, delivered. That's probably going to be up on the website. Uh, not really sure what that has to do with anything. I just answered the question about her being on top of mind. I don't think that's any that's unusual. I feel like many of us have gone through uh, that particular uh, you know time where someone is on top of mind and you call them out. What? What? What kind of answer? See, I, that's 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 almost just as bad. Um, makes it worse. It, yeah, it, it does make it worse. Uh, well, it's it's just a floundering mistake, um, and I think it really does. Listen, being the press secretary is an ex- incredibly difficult job. Um, that's why I look up to Dana Perino so much. I think that Kaylee McEnany, Kaylee McEnany, had did the tough one. Inc- she did such an incredible job. I remember her first day. I didn't know her that well at the time. Now I know her much, much more. We're friends. But I remember her first day just praying for her when she came out in the black suit because I was just like, man, she's about to you know, be fed to the lions. And she did such a great job. It's a difficult job. Um, but you do have to be ready to answer tough questions. And if you aren't, right. then you, sh- you have to face the criticism of it. And she- saying that it- somebody's on top of mind when the person has passed away – does not explain why the president was actively searching for that person in the room. I mean, do you at that point just say, well, I know how I'm going to deal with Peter Ducey when he asked me the question, but he was, she was probably shocked to get barraged by this. Why wasn't in the pool report from the one person doing the report say this was one of the And biggest actually deals. the Washington Post made a really good point because it may not entirely be the president's fault. It could have been something that's It scripted. looks like he was reading it. Yeah, and it could have been a mistake – that somebody else made, and he's delivering a speech. Maybe Carly, he forgot his na- her name for a second, and it may not have totally been only his fault. So, so that's that was why the question's important. How about this? You don't cover for a staff. You're the president. You're the press secretary. You say, yeah. Uh, unfortunately, the copy was written in a haphazard way, and we thought we were gonna have this press conference this earlier, and Jack Rolotsky, and this is on us. Yeah. And the presidents get into it quickly, realized it, and was trying to yeah. talk his way out of it. We, that, that would have been great if, if that is the case. Release the transcript and everything mm-hmm. and, uh, I don't know, fire somebody. The other thing about Carly, Carly is very passionate about foreign relations, especially Ukraine-Russia war. So we understand that we have now committed to upping the weapons re- uh, production for Ukraine with more HIMARS. We're still investigating what's going on with Nord Stream 1 and Nord Stream 2. 
who would want to blow up those pipelines? Because it doesn't seem to be in Russia's interest. But it, to me, it wasn't in Russia's interest to slow down the amount of oil and gas because it's making Western Europe less dependent on them right. every day that goes by. The suffering's only going to be short term. And now we see in the New York Times these soldiers intercepts on his cell phones that said the army, Russian army, in total disarray. One of the quotes was, no one even told us before the day before that we were going to war. They complain about strategic blunders. Uh, they say they're just trying to fool people here to fight this war. And they keep telling everyone everything's fine. It is not fine. And in the most horrific thing possible, they talk about walking Ukrainians out to the woods and just shooting them because mm-hmm. they didn't want to be recognized after the war's over. Yeah. Your thoughts about all this? Uh, well, horrific. And that is exactly what we were seeing at the start of the war, too. Those shallow graves of people um, whose bodies were war crimes. dug up. Absolutely. And now you have intercepts. Of course. Um, and ISW, General Jack Keane's, that's General Jack Keane's outfit, right? Um, they had analysis of Putin's mobilization, and they say that Western intel believes tens of thousands of reservists, um, Russian reservists, were already called in. So the reservists who are left are low quality and are totally unwilling and to go. And running for the border. 98,000 yeah. people on, went to no. Kazakhstan. Yeah. Yes, yes. Uh, close to 100,000 men, just Kazakhstan alone. And now did, um, I believe that Russia closed the borders yeah. to Georgia. And, and Finland's going to cl- cl- close, close at their, midnight close tonight. Close their borders. Yeah. Um, it's it is just so sad. So there's also reports of students, college students getting pulled out of class and getting sent to war. And you know what happens then? Nobody wants to fight this. Um, and then what does that say for Putin's popularity? I mean, the fact that he has any semblance of popularity in the country is still staggering to me, but he does he, going down. Man. They should set up a hotline to let Ukraine Russians defect. Let yes. him defect. It doesn't mean you have to die because you're losing. Uh, Lyman evidently is surrounded. A part of the Donbass is being infiltrated. And now they might even have to hold off on their annexation, which was a sham. More to come on that front for sure. Carly Shimkus will watch you from 4 to 6 every day. Please do. News headquarters in New York City. Always seeking solutions, never sowing division. It's Brian Kilmeade. Hey, welcome to the latest moments of the Brian Kilmeade Show. one 408 7669 We're coming to you from 48th and 6th in Midtown Manhattan, but heard around the country, around the world. And, of course, we're talking about what's happening in Florida and with Hurricane Ian, which is now Tropical Storm Ian. At the bottom of the hour, Joe Concha has a brand new book out. It's called uh, Come On, Man. It's a, a book about Biden. And, man, does he have something to add to the paperback? And that is a major gap yesterday that I can't get my head around, too. Charlie Hurd has been a regular on the show. Every time he's in studio, we love having him. Uh, post-pandemic world is really benefiting our uh, radio show. So before we get to Charlie, let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. Representative Governor, Senator Braun, Senator Booker, Representative Jackie, are you here? Where's Jackie? I didn't think she was, she was going to be here. Is that unbelievable? Unexplainable, inexcusable, and alarming. The president forgets a lawmaker who passed away and asked for her in a crowd. Meanwhile, he had been called Congress. He called Congresswoman Jackie Waldorski's family after she passed away in a car accident to express his grief and lowered the flag to half mask at the White House. How do you make that mistake? Number two. We're in a bunch of close races. I think we have a 50-50 shot of getting the Senate back. It's going to be really, really close either way, in my view. 
Yeah, really close in his view. And that is so optimistic compared to where Mitch McConnell was three weeks ago. Midterm movement. The uh, Pennsylvania Senate race is tightening. We will review the numbers. And uh, they... uh, There's signs everywhere that the issues that are breaking in this world that matter most are going the Republicans' directions. So what are the Democrats doing? Scrubbing their websites and changing their message. Number one. It may end up being a Category 5, but at a minimum, it's going to be a very strong Category 4 that's going to rank as one of the top five hurricanes to ever hit the Florida Peninsula. And it's hit, and it's working its way up. Hurricane uh, I, uh, Ian, top five most powerful, they say top four in history. It is now a tropical storm, as I mentioned, and it is uh, blitzing St. Augustine as well as Jacksonville. We have great affiliates in the area. Hopefully you'll be able to hear us. Uh, we'll cover it. We understand it. And Charlie Heard is very interesting because so many people that you know and I know moved to Florida or said, I'm, this is the time to invest. I'm gonna, I'm, that's where I want to spend the bulk of my time. And now they're in. This is the bad part about it. Yeah. Not that New York is immune from it. Hurricane Sandy was just a few yeah. years ago. But this is this is the first they're experiencing it. And it's showtime for Ron DeSantis to produce for the area. Yeah. And, and, it, and, and it's uh, and it's easy to look at this thing the next morning and say, OK, it's breaking up into a tropical storm. It's it's not that big of a deal. It's a huge deal. That thing is a monster storm. It goes all the way from Naples up past Fort Myers up into Gasparilla Island. It's a monster storm. And if that if those reports uh, from the, the mayor down there talking about how uh, the, the, uh, the, the fatalities are in the hundreds, which seems astronomical to me, um, but especially when you consider the fact that, you know, most of these things, the vast majority of, of fatalities occur after the storm has passed. In the in the wake of it, so um, so it's going to be it, it's important to kind of keep an eye on all that. And it's, uh, but it is uh, it's it's a it's a humbling reminder also that no matter how much politicians in Washington try to politicize something like this and make it into something, we don't control the weather. Man does not control the weather. Mother Nature is awesome, right? And it's powerful, and you better respect it. Listen, I don't know the stats in front of me, but there've been less hurricanes uh, in the Florida area of re- of late than uh, ever before. So, But every time something hits, uh, they say, well, there you go, climate change, because it used to be global warming, but now it's yeah. climate change. Yeah. And and what's so amazing about this is uh, Joe Biden is crowing over the fact that gas prices now are a dollar thirty. In fact, let's listen to Joe Biden yesterday inexplicably using this moment to talk about oil and gas. Price of oil has stayed relatively low. It kept going down. The price of gas should be going down as well. My experts inform me the production of only about 190,000 barrels a day has been impacted by the storm thus far. That's less than 2% of the United States daily production impacted for a very short period of time. This small temporary storm impact on oil production provides no excuse, no excuse for price increases at the pump, none. If gas companies try to use this storm to raise prices of the pump, I will ask officials to look into whether price gouging is going on. America is watching. The industry should do the right thing. All right. And, and it gets even worse from there, calling them out, saying, forgive me, I want to add one more warning of the oil and gas companies. Do not, let me repeat, do not uh, do this. It's not an excuse to raise gas prices. Okay. You're creating an enemy already. It shows you don't even understand the business. Yeah. 
And, it, and I love he uses the phrase relatively low. Yeah, relative to what they were right after he got into office. They've increased and five jacked, straight days. And he, and he jacked the price of gasoline up to $6 a gallon. Yeah, it's relatively low. But it's still a dollar thirty above where it was. But this is the other thing. And, of course, uh, gas prices are going to go up um, in the wake of Hurricane Ian because that's what happens. Uh, you know, this guy doesn't understand economics, nor does he understand the weather. But he is so lucky that we have not had more named storms because name these big storms always jack the price of gasoline up because it disrupts delivery abilities, it disrupts refineries, all uh, you know, all of the things that that cause that naturally cause prices to go up, and. But he, you know, and, and then he uses this opportunity. He he claims to be attacking gas companies and oil companies. He's not. He's attacking normal Americans who drive their kids to school and have to drive to work. Right. So here's what Phil Flynn says. You know, he's a he's a, a oil and gas expert. Cut thirteen. We only saw 11 percent production down. That's coming back online. We've seen other storms. If this had tracked a little bit um, to the west, it's very possible that we could have seen 100 percent of that production shut in. So that didn't happen. And the reason why the Biden administration should be very happy that it didn't is because they've drained our strategic petroleum reserve. Right. And we are going to be less able to be able to help the American people in the event of these type of storms because we've drained our reserve. Um, The Biden administration has gambled with those barrels of oil to try to get prices down in the short term, but it leaves us vulnerable for these type of disasters. And we're very lucky it it didn't go into those refineries. I mean, he doesn't understand what he's talking about. Also, I understand we have this huge refinery in the Virgin Islands. And that we all you have to do is get it online, and that could alleviate, immediately bring back the price. But guess why he won't do it, Charlie Hurt? He, de- he, he, he doesn't want oil and gas. Period. Yeah. yeah no. And 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 I and I sort of don't understand why they don't why he isn't just open about it because he's open about it in his policies. Um, and and you know the idea, and of course the only reason that that he tapped into the strategic uh, petroleum reserves in the first place is because he wanted a short term fix to sort of buffer. Democrats in the election. Um, and and while uh, and, and I think it's also important to remember that uh, the, these are the same Democrats when President Trump. So so now we hear that Biden is talking about trying to refill the reserves at what, $80 a, gal, a, yeah. a barrel. Um, when President Trump tried to refill the reserves uh, three years ago, when the price of gasoline, uh, you know, the price of oil was at like tw- below 30 a, a barrel, uh, Democrats in Congress blocked him and prevented him from doing it. I mean, it's it's a small thing. It's not a small thing. It's a big thing. It, but, it, you know, it's it's not massively consequential, but it is a, a very it's a it's a clear demonstration. Right. These people, they want to destroy the oil and gas industry in America. They would rather send coal to China and let China uh, gain on on America and then have Americans suffer by paying either five dollars a gallon gasoline or four dollars a gallon gasoline, um, and and have to cut back on right. on taking their kids to school and going going to the grocery store. So tell me this: ask me, let, let me know if you think this is concerning. Jackie Walorski died in a tragic car accident, uh, and the, the president had called her, had had called her, called the family, uh, put the flag at half staff. But guess what? 
He said this yesterday at a big nutritional meeting to announce some piece of legislation. Cut 17. And I want to thank all of you here for including bipartisan elected officials like Representative Governor, Senator Braun, Senator Booker, Representative Jackie, are you here? Where's Jackie? I didn't think she was, she was going to be here. So the husband said, it's, is it unforgivable? No, it's not unforgivable. I forgive him. Was it a major mess up? He said, yes. What do you think? I mean, this was not something you laugh at. Yeah, no, they're they're classy people. Um, Joe, Joe Biden. I mean, it's 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 uh, you cringe. Uh, The guy is out of it. You know, just weeks ago, he the White House issued a statement from him saying that Jill and I are shocked and saddened. And then weeks later, he doesn't even even remember it. Something is going on here. We have a major problem. We don't know what it is. And, 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 and this is and, – and what's really disturbing to me about it, more than just the fact that we have a president who is exhibiting clear uh, evidence of, of having his cheese slid off his cracker, is the fact that it's like, okay, if he's not in charge, who is in charge? I know. We do get to elect our, our president – and our president Not Ron in char- is it right? And our our president is in charge of the entire executive branch. Who is who's running the executive branch right now? I don't know. It's not Joe Biden. I don't know who it is. We don't even know who's writing stuff into the teleprompter for him to say. And at a moment where China and Putin are watching every step of this guy, that's really scary. Oh, it is. And here's Kamala Harris not making me feel better. She goes to the border of North, uh, North and South Korea, but she doesn't go to our border. Listen to this. Cut 29. So the United States shares a very important relationship, which is an alliance with the Republic of North Korea. And it is an alliance that is strong and enduring. And today there were several demonstrations of just that point. Do we have a relationship with North Korea? I know the pre- President Trump did. Did she think she was serving yeah. with President Trump? Yeah. Uh, who knows? Nobody North knows. Korea. Nobody knows. But it's also a reminder. That is just one of two of the hottest nuclear standoff hotspots in the world. Probably the, the most serious nuclear standoffs that we've ever – of our lifetime quite possibly. You've got, you've got North Korea developing a – Nuclear weapon that they can deliver long distances, like can reach California. America. Yeah. And then you have Vladimir Putin over here openly talking about using nuclear weapons. Yes. This is terrifying. And the idea, you know, you know, the idea that you have a man who doesn't know the difference between people who are alive and dead and doesn't is shaking hands with potted ferns on stage and has to be ushered off stage by his wife and told to walk this way it's this is not these are not gaffes this is not him being a buffoon which he always has been this is really serious and i don't i don't know who's in charge what i mean well, who is clearly uh, clearly i think this all relates to the fact that Jill couldn't answer whether he's running again and he didn't answer i think there's something seriously going on yeah. and you know there's going to be reports and people are going to write books some type of adrenaline shot that he gets on big moments that really lacks on other moments. Can you believe we're sitting here speculating about that? No. That, because th- there was a time where we, we wouldn't even speculate on that because it's so – it's like – because we, we don't know. It's outlandish to think that. But honestly, it's what everybody's talking about and I, 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 something 
you know, he, he manages. They celebrated. Can you the imagine 16- Trump said, oh. uh, uh, called out, called for a dead lawmaker. Yeah. He he took a, a, comp- a mental competency test on television just at the mere suggestion that, that something right. was wrong. And so um, and, and the idea that that this guy is is uh, clearly, you know, without his mental uh, facilities and uh, and and no one, you know, it's it, it's ter- it is absolutely terrifying. And by the way, Kamala Harris, they just sent a rocket over South Korea prior to her arrival. And the fact that this stuff is an instinctive that she doesn't know North South Korea, that you didn't grow up with that under don't understand foreign affairs to the point where you'd actually make that mistake is uh, is really disturbing. So when we come back, I want to find out where you think the midterms are going, Charlie. Uh, we'll have a look at the top five as current, uh, in, in terms of what you're hearing in the Washington Times. And, of course, uh, what are you going to be hosting today? Uh, mornings with Maria. We just did it. Oh, you just did it? Yeah, yeah no. Okay. But, I, but I was watching Fox and Friends the entire time. I had, I had them bring in a television so that even while I was talking on, on Fox Business, I was actually watching you. I'm not believing that because I need a second source. And you're, that's what journalists do. You're, you're a smart man. Back in a moment. Learning something new every day on The Brian Kilmeade Show. A talk show that's real. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show. And the 3-2. Joe deep to left field. This could be it. See ya. He's done it. Number 61. He's been chasing history, and now he makes it. He and Roger Maris are tied with 61 home runs, the most anybody has ever hit in a single season in American League history. Tied for the mark, and that was finally happened last night. Charlie Hurd, you're a big baseball guy. Aaron Judge does this, and I believe he's right now winning the batting title oh, yeah. at 314. And I was just corrected by the president of Yankees. Because I said it's Apple TV, it is Amazon that has the Friday night contracts, and they've agreed to do a simulcast with Yes Friday night to see if he could beat it in front of a capacity crowd at Yankee Stadium. What do you think? Oh, I think that I think I mean he he kind of had a dry spell here for the last seven day, games, uh, but and I think it's the second longest dry spell of the season. So I think that I think getting over the hump last night, uh, all bets are off. It was so amazing watching his mom and uh, Roger, Roger Maris's son standing in the audience. As soon as as soon as that ball left Aaron Judge's bat, his mom knew it was going out of the park. It was such, and I'm not a Yankee. She probably watched him since he was four years she, old. She watched the first baseball he ever hit off of a tee ball. It and and she watched that last night, and, then, and of course when he walked back, he top, uh, tipped his helmet to her. Um, I'm not I'm not a Yankees fan, but man, it is so it, it was such a gorgeous thing to see what last about night. With Toronto was, cheering for him, isn't that oh, great? A standing ovation, and they're trying to get a wild card. Yeah, and they're losing. Yeah, standing ovation from a crowd in Toronto, and uh, and then and then also if you don't believe in like sort of uh, the the baseball gods. You've got number Maris was number nine, Aaron Judge is ninety nine. It it's been sixty one years since Roger Maris set the 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 record for sixty one home runs, and then Aaron Judge uh, be, uh, matches it sixty one years later. There's a there's a lot of funny stuff going on. So so my I, I mean he's got to he's got he's got to pass it, and right. no one would be happier than Roger Maris's son. I know he's he's a class act. I had a chance Total to meet the Maris family when McGuire yeah. was uh, going for it in '98, 
and they love McGuire. Yeah. McGuire admitted he cheated. Yeah. Got to 70, he cheated. We know Sosa cheated. We know Bonds cheated. Baseball know he cheated. That's why he's not in the Hall of Fame. So they should let that be. This should be the all-time. That's what Roger Maris said. Yeah. He said, when he beats my dad's record, he should be the single-season home run champ. And he said he, he did it clean, and he did. 35th plate appearance between 60 and 61. Seven games overall. I think that this guy does it in bunches, and I think he does hits two. Friday night. That's my prediction. You want to bet? Yes. Yeah, no. I'd be on the same you side. You have a DraftKings account? <laughs> I know. We don't need to. But just so we know, I put yeah. the, I put my recorder right. down on this. I'm taping it on my Walkman. I mean, if I were to go, I'd say I'd say three just to, to, to block you. Just to block me. Like yeah. the Babe Ruth story. The right. Lou Gehrig story. Yeah. Uh, thanks so much, Charlie Hurt. You bet. Joe Concha next. Radio show like no other. It's Brian Kilmeade. I want to thank all of you here, from including bipartisan elected officials like Representative Governor Senator Braun, Senator Booker, Representative Jackie. Are you here? Where's Jackie? I didn't think she was. She was going to be here. Jackie Walorski was not there because she passed away in a car crash, and the president should have known that. Uh, because the president called her family after she passed away and put the White House flag at half-staff. Joe Concha, our guest, is part of the reason he wrote the book, Come On, Man, because it's something Joe Biden always says, the truth about Joe Biden's terrible, horrible, no good, very bad presidency, which he considers and many people consider a big success. But last, what is your take on the latest gaffe? Because to me, it is, it's, you don't laugh. You don't, you don't say this is a good political opportunity. I, I am totally... Uh, uh, I am totally set back by it to think that he would call somebody who we knew was dead and not correct himself. Look for her in the audience. That's the thing, Brian. Two people are to blame here, right? Because obviously he was reading a list of names handed to him. So whoever wrote that out should have known. But then the minute he read it, said, hey, wait a minute. I'm sorry. Yeah. Actually, she died in a car crash a month ago. And, Very and let's, easy. let's take the time to re- remember her once again and all of her service to this country. And he didn't even get it. But then it gets worse because then the White House press secretary, Green Jean-Pierre, when she was asked about it, said, oh, well, actually, he was just saying it to remember her because she was top of mind. No, just say that the president made a mistake and it, it shouldn't have happened and move on. Instead, they try to gaslight us on everything. We're not in a recession when we are. We're at zero inflation when we're at 8.5 percent inflation. And in this latest gaffe, they think the American people are stupid. Inflation Reduction Act is not for inflation. It's a green energy bill in Basically, John Kerry outed him on that, and he outed himself, too, when he signed it that day. Yeah. So, so what happens is if you're a press secretary and the president says something blatantly wrong, and, for example, I remember Sean Spicer came out and said President Trump had the biggest size crowd, period. Yeah. He lost credibility forever because he didn't. Uh, here's Corrine Jean-Pierre getting a question from the Washington Post on this very thing. Mm-hmm. Cut 18. If the late congresswoman was top of mind for the president and her family was expected to be here and that's what he was thinking about, what, why was he looking for? I'm not, I'm not trying to be snarky here. No, I mean, and I'm... Nope. You're saying what he said there. And again, I think people can understand. I think the American people out there who, you know, watch the briefing uh, from time to time, maybe at this moment, will understand when someone is at top of mind. Uh, and uh, And this was such an important... 
such an important event when we're talking about hunger, when we're talking about food insecurity, when we're talking about these champions, these congressional champions who are in the room, who have worked in a bipartisan way. Uh, we know we don't talk much about bipartisan actions that we see in Congress at this time. And as he was naming folks, he, she was on top of mind, and he understands and knew that she was, he was going to see uh, her family on Friday uh, to, for this bill signing. Uh, again, I don't think it's all that unusual uh, to have someone top of mind, especially as there's a big event. So how do you think she handled it, Joe Concha? As poorly as any press secretary could possibly handle that. Because if he's saying, where's Jackie? Is Jackie here? Unless he has – you ever played with a Ouija board when you were younger? When you try to sure. contact the, yeah. you know, the afterlife, you want to see Patrick Swayze as Sam Wheat suddenly just appear and Whoopi Goldberg. When you say something like that, it's an insult to the American people. And, and the thing is then, after that, it, let's say that was Kaylee McEnany. There would have been hostility in that room, and there would have been question after question pressing her on what do you mean by that? And what do you mean by President, is President Trump losing it? Right, right. And then you, we'd be hearing about uh, the president, as in Trump, his mental uh, capability and his cognitive ability. And then the late night hosts would all jump in, and you would see joke after joke rightly about this because you shouldn't have comedy that is uh, non or, or that is partisan. And of course, all the late night hosts are activists at this point. And you see what Kamala Harris said yesterday? Yeah, in fact, we have that. I had a uh, feeling you did. <laughs> so Kamala Harris was in an, up the DMZ line because she goes to that border but not our border between North and South Korea. Now, hours before, North Korea sent a rocket over South Korea just to say, I know uh, I'm still here. Listen to how she described being in South Korea. Cut 29. So the United States shares a very important relationship, which is an alliance with the Republic of North Korea. And it is an alliance that is strong and enduring. And today, there were several demonstrations of just that point. Okay, where's Colbert? Where's Kimmel? Where's Fallon? Where are all these people in light night that, believe me, if Vice President Pence had said something like that or Trump, then it would be like, see, Doobie Trump isn't dead with Kim Jong-un. Half hour. <laughs> right. And, but that's why they're getting two O's or one fives, because that is, that is horrific. I mean, Carson was at a seven, yeah. you know, maybe a nine. Conan O'Brien, Jay Leno, they were to double, triple that. And, you know, Letterman was probably a three, two or two, eight or around a four, whatever. He was a point or two back. But he became a partisan at the end. John McCain was running for president. Think of late night comedy as a pie, okay? And then now, now the pie is split up as three pieces. Sure. You split it in half, and then you split that half into three pieces. And that's what that, the, that audience is fighting for. And then over on the other half, you have your niche audience, half the country. And that's why Greg Gutfeld is now at number one, beating Colbert quite easily, almost doubling Kimmel and Fallon. Because he's doing comedy, not so much he's doing the political stuff. Yeah, they'll, they'll jump into it. But just things that are... Politically incorrect, you hosted the show. You saw what kind of audience that you were drawing, well over 2 million people, which is much more than the other guys, uh, because those late-night hosts, it's it's like watching some sort of bad version of Don Lemon on CNN. Enough already. Maybe we don't want to hear about politics. I want escapism again, and we've lost that. I remember the, coming up on uh, Colbert, uh, what is it, uh, late, late Show, it's Stephen Colbert, yeah. Chuck Schumer. Really? <laughs> That's, your <laughs> That's your promo? That's your promo? I yeah. mean, Mike, who are you trying to get? CNN's? Anderson Cooper's audience? Yeah, Seth Myers. 
right. slams McConnell for not blowing up the filibuster. It's like, this is what I'm tuning in for. <laughs> I want stupid pet tricks. Oh, I Can know. I have that, please? Well, we know, talk about it in the book. I have a whole chapter on this. So uh, the other thing is with um, uh, James Corden is the one guy I could listen to I could tolerate. So I always go to his mileage. You know, I don't know what time they tape it. But if they don't do it tonight, I'd be stunned. Because he's been gone going at Biden and his and his absent mindedness, so yeah. to speak. So we'll see what happens because I think Trump made everyone crazy. The question is to you, Joe, mm-hmm. if Trump doesn't isn't the nominee and it's DeSantis or Nikki Haley or Pompeo, whoever, do they get the Trump treatment or is that only Trump? They get almost the Trump treatment. They get ninety percent of it. Let's put it that way. Because remember, John McCain was dubbed as a curmudgeon and a racist, right? John McCain. Mitt Romney, same thing. Mitt Romney, the most moderate Republican probably in the Senate, was also dubbed that way. And DeSantis now, we even see it with this hurricane coverage, right, Uh, that even as the storm is barely leaving Florida and the blame game begins with DeSantis. So he would be the biggest magnet. I I think that somebody like Glenn Youngkin is being overlooked here, particularly if Trump does not run. Because he won in Virginia. He beat Clinton royalty and Terry McAuliffe. He ran on issues like education. He ran without doing rallies, uh, doing rallies without Trump, right? So I, I think a Yunkin uh, run for the presidency, it would be hard to hit him as an extremist or somebody who is hateful in his heart because he just doesn't come across that way. And, and DeSantis mm-hmm. is doing a tremendous job in Florida, and, and he would be a big threat also. And I think even if Trump runs, Brian, I know this may be an unpopular opinion among some, I think even DeSantis or Young could, could beat Trump head-to-head. Uh, yeah. Uh, you think he can beat, they can beat Trump? Really? Yeah, I, I do. Well, Young is going to be interesting because he got along. Evidently, he played a major role in the China deal. The phase one, and we don't really remember that because the pandemic hit a short time later. They were already working on phase two, and uh, and basically, Glenn Youngkin has such great relations with China and Saudi Arabia. He was able to work with them and says, "Listen, is it?" Trump was like, "Is this the deal we want? What deal don't they want?" So he got a shout out. Glenn Youngkin did from the president yeah. for his help when he was with the um, when he was with the Carlisle Group. I just wonder if there's Trump fatigue, Brian. In other words. Reagan towards the end, like year seven, year eight, even people are like, okay, it's time for a change. When you think about it, in 2024, Donald Trump will have been on the political scene since 2015. That's nine years. And you just wonder if just the natural human reflex is to, you know what, we need the next chapter. We could get all the things we get with Trump with DeSantis, for example, but we don't get the baggage. and We won't have to see January 6th on a loop for two years, which you know the media would do. The January 6th on a loop which has only goes to a certain audience, that's to motivate the Democrats. Yeah. And then they'd have the Mar-a-Lago raid and the Georgia case. I don't believe Letitia James. I think Letitia James's case looks so petty and political. I think that that's what's going to help the president. Uh, number effect, two, yeah. believe me, they would have loved to have got a criminal case on him. They couldn't get it. They went through two attorney generals. Even this other guy uh, doesn't right. even, yeah, even he doesn't have it. But I want to hear what Joe Biden said yesterday. It's not getting enough play. But this is part of the reason I imagine you wrote the book, Cut Nine. Mr. Forgive me, I want to add one more warning. That's warning to the oil and gas industry executives. Do not, let me repeat, do not, do not use this as an excuse to raise gasoline prices or gouge the American people. So, in other words, they're mom the problems. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oil and gas companies, the CEOs, really? The ones you've been vilifying, trying to destroy on a regular basis, which legislation went to effort to do that? And the oil and gas companies that just demanded pump more, 
And now all of a sudden you're saying, whatever you do, we're in the middle of a catastrophe. Let me just point out a bad guy is the oil and gas companies, which shows he doesn't even understand what goes into the business. He's not, he doesn't have the humility to, under, to know what he doesn't know. How many jobs has Joe Biden held outside of government, I wonder, in the past 50 years? Zero, right? So, of course, he doesn't understand it. When prices were going up, he blamed Putin. Then when they came down a bit, he took credit. Now they're going back up again. So let's see. We have to find another boogeyman. It's oil and gas companies. Nobody buys it. And you see what's happening with the stock market again today, Brian, down another, what, 535 points. It's now well below 30,000. You can't ignore this anymore. People are looking at their 401ks. And they're seeing them disappear. They're seeing their wages not going up. They're seeing what they're paying for gas and what they're paying for food and what they're paying for rent and then electric bills coming up this winter. And I keep hearing about Democratic momentum. I'm sorry. What people feel on the ground is going to decide what happens in these midterms. And then they see a president who they just don't see as somebody who is completely competent and has his full abilities right now at this point and never really did, quite frankly, to solve the problems impacting this country. So now we're seeing the Hurricane Ian, which is now Tropical Storm Ian, make its way up north. So it's passed through through St. Augustine. Now it's in Atlantic Beach. It's on the cusp of Jacksonville. And then it's going to go flying into Georgia. And it's been pretty devastating to the entire state. So we're following all those in the track of that storm. The president just came out and tweeted this out. We're continuing to take swift action to help the families of Florida. Overnight, I made a major disaster declaration to expedite federal aid to supplemental recovery efforts. I want the people of Florida to know that we will be there every step of the way. Let's see, because right now, Governor Santos wants to expand the disaster areas. Let's see if they'll do that. Uh, Joe Conch is here. His book is now out. It's called Come On, Man, The Truth About Joe Biden's Terrible, Horrible, No Good, Very Bad Presidency, which is not over. Sadly. Back in a moment. (laughs) Thank you. Diving deep into today's top stories, it's Brian Kilmeade. The more you listen, the more you'll know. It's Brian Kilmeade. Now, I've seen a lot, I've learned a lot, and I've done a lot. And I want to help. So I believe in life, we do what we can, when we can. I am starting a political action committee to elect the right people to office. We do not need more panderers. We need producers. We need people committed to fight for change and who get results. We need people who have the character and the capacity to stand up and lead and take the heat that goes with leadership because that is the job. Is this unbelievable? Andrew Cuomo, so self-important, says, I'm ready for a comeback. I got myself a podcast, got myself a super PAC, and I'm ready to go lead, and he wants a comeback so bad. I know he's not going to get a CNN contract. He's not going to get a Fox News contract. Maybe he'll go to wherever Chris is. Well, that's not going to work out either. So Andrew Cuomo, looking for a direction in life, leaves disgraced after having that job. Sadly, I think he might have been reelected in New York. But I think Lee Zeldin was more even built to beat him than Hochul. Right now, good news for Lee. He's within six points. Six points with over 30 percent in New York City. That shows you these prominent Democrats that have come out of the woodwork to support Lee Zeldin. I think he's up to six are starting to make a make some progress and chip away at Hochul's support in this bright blue state. 
Uh, and as I mentioned before, we're continuing to cover uh, what's happening with Hurricane Ian. Uh, we got about 2.5 million without power. It's up to Governor DeSantis to scramble and to get them power. And he'll and that'll really define and set him up to run for president. Not about politics all the time, but I'd love to see a great performance, wouldn't you? Many people are looking at the strength of this storm, how long it's lasted, the duration as it heads up the coast and saying, I told you, it's all about climate change. Michael Schellenberger, who used to be a real green guy, then saw the reality of the politics and the religion behind the green movement, said this, cut 14. Yeah, I mean, the basic facts are there has been no increase in landfalling hurricanes over the last 120 years. In fact, there's a slight decline There is no science supporting the idea that hurricanes will become more frequent. In fact, the National Oceanic and Atmospheric uh, Administration predicts that the frequency of hurricanes will actually decline by 25 percent. They also expect they'll intensify by 5 percent, but they are not intensifying right now. So any perception that hurricanes are more intense is just a perception fed by that relentless alarmist media. I think also... There's just a lot more people that live in Hurricane Alley, and we're, and we're much more resilient to extreme weather events. So there's just a lot more people experiencing hurricanes because we're so, uh, we're so wealthy and, and prosperous, and there's so many more of us. And so I think that's part of what creates this false perception. Right, and because you're heavily populated in these areas, I think it also helps that Florida knows how to do it. I mean, 40,000 people have been ready to go. They've been staged in certain areas. The equipment and, and resources are there. Rick Scott did a great job for eight years. Jeb Bush did a great job for eight years. Charlie Crist didn't drop the ball when he was a Republican for four. I remember covering going up in a helicopter with Charlie Crist, who was governor of Florida at the time, and it was a tornado that hit, and he knew exactly what to do and where to go. And he said to me, man, Jeb Bush ran a tight ship here. And that has a lot to do with it. Rick's got a business guy and doesn't leave a detail out with a Navy background. And with Governor DeSantis, military background, Harvard, Yale degrees, also went through the pandemic. So a lot of us have been through the ringer so different to a hurricane as opposed to a pandemic. But I think we learned patience. So if people did stay because they thought the hurricane was going to go somewhere different and maybe got caught in it in Fort, in Fort Myers, they said, stay put, don't go anywhere. We're kind of used to hanging around, not me, uh, but because of the pandemic, when they told everyone, uh, what is it, three weeks to stop the spread, end up being two and a half years, we got kind of patient. So that's what's uh, that's what's going to be happening. We know the president came out and, and tweeted out that he has the support of Florida. I hate to see politics in it, but they know there's uh, Senator uh, Demings is running for a Senator uh, Senator Marco Rubio seat. Charlie Crist has. What they say is, I don't believe it, is within four points of Governor DeSantis. But it's a very even purplish state that's been going Republicans because they've had a better message. Uh, But I also think the Hispanic vote is going to be firmly more and more towards Republicans. I think it's going to help them uh, separate again in Texas. I think it's going to separate again, help them separate again in Florida. So we'll see where that goes. If the president's responsive, he can gain. If he starts warring with Governor DeSantis, looking petty. I think it really hurts his party. DeSantis is going to work 25 hours a day, so that's not going to be a problem. And he's not going to just handle people that donated to him. That's not going to be an issue. I think he'll do everything he can and outwork most of you. That's just the way he's made up. He did it as an athlete, and now he's doing it as a governor. You listen to The Brian Kilmeade Show. So glad you're here. News Radio Studios in Midtown Manhattan. It's the fastest growing radio talk show. Brian Kilmeade. 
Welcome to the latest moments of the Brian Kilmeade Show. So glad you're here. In the matter of uh, moments, Josh Kreischer will be joining us from Politico and Dr. Ben Carson. Uh, you know, he was former HUD secretary, one of the finest uh, brain surgeons in the world, and author of Created Equal, The Painful Past, Confusing Present, and Hopeful Future of Race in America. And his life is emblematic of what is possible in this great country. But I come to you from 48th and 6th in Midtown Manhattan, out of the storm, which is now moving right through. Jacksonville's getting hit the hardest right now. And it's going to be soon it's going to be um, uh, Georgia's going to be next. And Charleston, South Carolina basically stopped everything. On a side note, too, Mets and Braves have a big series this weekend. They're either going to play early Friday, which is indicative of what their weather reports say early Friday and then play two games Sunday. They think it's going to be too bad. The weather's going to be too terrible to play on, on Saturday and what to, and the balance is the division championship. So it's not even games you can postpone. So let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's big three. Number three. Representative Governor, Senator Braun, Senator Booker, Representative Jackie, are you here? Where's Jackie. Unexplainable, inexcusable, and alarming. The president forgets a lawmaker died and asked for her in a crowd. Meanwhile, he had already called their family after Jackie Walarski passed away. What's going on here? Number two. We're in a bunch of close races. I think we have a 50-50 shot of getting the Senate back. It's going to be really, really close either way, in my view. Midterm movement. The Pennsylvania Senate race is tightening. We will receive the numbers. We'll go over them. And everywhere you see Republicans have the issues trekking their way. Democrats have an interesting way to attack back. They are scrubbing their websites and changing their stance on those issues. Number one. It may end up being a Category 5, but at a minimum, it's going to be a very strong Category 4 that's going to rank as one of the top five hurricanes to ever hit the Florida Peninsula. Uh, Hurricane Ian, top five most powerful in history. Now it's actually four, slamming almost the entire state of Florida, and it's not over yet. And we'll discuss all that. And we know that the President of the United States just tweeted out a, a tweet in support of anything the people of Florida need and has did call the president. The president did call the governor this morning. And we know there are arch rivals. Uh, Josh Kroshauer joins us now, senior political correspondent at Axios. Um, I should Politico. That was my bad. Uh, Josh, welcome back. Hey, Brian. Good to be back on the show. Hey, uh, Josh, first off, at least they're talking, right? The Republican, uh, the, the Republican firebrand and the president. Yeah, I mean, look, whenever you have a disaster, a natural disaster of this magnitude, you need to have cooperation between the president of the United States and the, and the governor of one of the biggest states uh, in the country that's been so deeply affected by Hurricane Ian. Uh, and, and look, it, 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 this is not the time for politics, but clearly there's going to be a question about how closely uh, DeSantis, Governor DeSantis works with, with, with President Biden, how, how much praise he gives to, to the administration. But, you know, ba- I think Governor DeSantis understands that we're not in a political moment. We're in a humanitarian moment to try to help those who have been displaced and whose homes have been ruined as a result of the hurricane. And I have a feeling that politics is going to be put aside at least for the next couple of days. All right. A couple of things. First off, you didn't write about this necessarily, but it looks like the latest poll has uh, Dr. Oz within four points of Fetterman. It's closing down quick. A lot has to do with the issues that matter most. I think abortion's dropping. Crime uh, and lack of punishment is rising. The immigration issue is now on the radar. It was invisible. So I think that's important. And evidently Fetterman is scrubbing any reference to Black Lives Matter uh, on his website. So that's pretty significant. shows a degree of panic. Yeah, this is a 
been a few weeks where Dr. Oz has had the political momentum in one of the more important battleground races on the map. And you nailed it, Brian. The, the issues that are front and center right now and the ones that are being talked about in Pennsylvania are the issues of crime and Philadelphia is dealing with record numbers of, of, of homicides, violent crimes taking place in, in the city. Uh, and, and they're dealing, you know, you mentioned the, the scrubbing of, of Black Lives Matter references from Fetterman's campaign site. Uh, that, that, that is a, a telltale sign that the Democrat doesn't want to deal with some of the more progressive positions he held as lieutenant governor. Uh, he, he has always been someone well to the left uh, of, of, of the Pennsylvania electorate. He's someone who made his name by being a Bernie Sanders supporter in 2016 who looked different than your typical politician and was more progressive than your typical Pennsylvania Democratic politician. But when you have a record like that, 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 that can come back to haunt you, and that's what you're looking at the TV ads in Pennsylvania. They're mostly about crime right now, and they're really using both Fetterman's words and his position as the head of the uh, the Board of Pardons in Pennsylvania for taking a much more liberal view on criminal justice reform than a lot of Pennsylvanians support. Uh, yeah, and also he's not for fracking. I mean, he doesn't have a strong record. He wants to empty out a third of everybody in prison. He wants to legalize marijuana. I mean, there's a, that's clearly a purple state, and he's he's got some pretty extreme positions, and he had a stroke. I mean, he has trouble with two or three sentences. With his demands for a debate was stunning. He needs time to read a closed caption. How's he going to read legislation? Yeah, well, I mean, look, it's interesting because I think the Oz campaign, and I was out there a couple of weeks ago following uh, the Oz campaign around, but they, they kind of did a, a sort of a blitz, if you will, to make a sports analogy. They, they put pressure on Fetterman, raising questions about his health, raising questions about why he's not willing to debate the issues, while at the same time going on the airwaves, really domin dominating on the issue of crime. And Fetterman has, and the campaign has been not adept at responding to these attacks. They, they've got him on his heels, and he's taken a whole lot of incoming and hasn't responded. Their message has been sort of all over the map. The first, the first response that you saw from the Fetterman campaign on the airwaves was that they actually are supportive of funding the police and, 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 and they, that, the Fetter, that, that, that they, they didn't reflect the positions that he held in the past. Now you've seen some quotes from some, some of Fetterman's campaign supporters and his allies saying that actually he, you know, if, 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 if there was one quote from a Fetterman uh, spokesperson who said, like, if we're going to, we're not going to change our position on criminal justice reform, if that makes us lose this race, then so be it. And that is a sign that, like, th those positions are, are potent. They're, they're moving the numbers in Pennsylvania. And it's, a, you know, he's stuck between his, his very progressive principles on that issue and the political reality of Pennsylvania. Uh, I think you're right. Uh, also, you write, and we're talking with Josh Crasher from uh, Axios. Josh, you write about uh, what's going on in Arizona. Uh, the president, uh, the former president of the United States, got to write a few checks to Blake Masters. He basically helped him get there, get to the nomination. Why would Mitch McConnell pull out nine million? Do you think he's a hopeless case? Well, there, there, there are a bunch of reasons. Uh, if you believe, you know, if you talk to McConnell's super PAC, the rea they'll say the reality is they have a finite amount of money. They need to spend money in states like Ohio and North Carolina and states to shore up uh, Republican candidates, and they can't. You know, it's a luxury. They view Arizona as a race that's not as winnable as some of these other more more significant battleground contests. They also argue that there are other Republican or at least conservative groups that are spending money on behalf of Blake Masters. So 
the reality is, though, that Democrats are badly outspending masters and his supporters uh, on the airwaves all, all over all over television. So, uh, you know, it's sort of a chicken and egg question, which is it the lack of ad spending that's causing masters to trail in the polls or is it the fact that he's not as good of a candidate that's leading a lot of Republican groups, including Mitch McConnell's super PAC, not to spend money on behalf of this campaign? Kari Lake is doing well, basically in a flat footed tie. She's extremely charismatic on the stump, very sure of herself, did not necessarily get behind the whole move to Martha's Vineyard with the illegals, but understands you got to be strong at the border. So you have her in basically a flat-footed tie, right? Yeah, that is going to be, boy, that's going to be probably one of the closest races on the map come November. Uh, Lake is running ahead of Masters. She actually is getting a lot of spending in, in support from the Republican Governors Association, which is which is helping her out. Governor Ducey, who did not support her in the primary, is now endorsing her and helping her out in the general election. But that that is a, a classic battleground state race with two fairly uh, polarizing candidates. Lake, you know, certainly ran pretty well to the right and well to to the MAGA side of the party in the primary. But she's hoping that enough traditional Republicans come home and vote Republican in, 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 in what has been a traditionally Republican state. So do you uh, subscribe to the 39 percent approval rating that the ABC poll and Washington Post poll pointed out? I think two weeks ago he was at or a week ago he was at 45 percent with another poll, the Wall Street Journal NBC, uh, NBC poll. So where do you think President Biden is? Well, that, probably in the low 40s. His numbers, if you look overall, they've they've ticked up a little bit, but I don't think you're seeing many polls showing him better than 42, 43% in approval rating. And then that's whether it's 40 or 39 or 42, the reality is the president is, is underwater uh, with his support in almost every one of these important swing states where, where the battle for the Senate, the battle for the governorships are going to, to be decided. Uh, and so you know, you're not going to see you're not seeing many Democrats that want President Biden to appear with them on the campaign trail. He's still a drag on on their on their fortunes. And, and look, the economy. One thing that the gas prices went down over the summer, and that was a boost for the White House. Renewed fears over a recession. The Dow continuing to drop today. Uh, it's been dropping uh, pretty pretty steadily over the last week. That is also going to have an impact. Re- fresh economic worries is not a good 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 sign for this White House, and it, it could reduce Biden's approval rating as we get closer to November. I want you to hear what Mitch McConnell said, knowing what he said about a month ago. Cut twenty one. In every election, every year, this year, past years, it's great to have. Terrific candidates. We're in a bunch of close races. I think we have a 50-50 shot of getting the Senate back. It's going to be really, really close either way, in my view. Wow. I mean, for him, that that is like a that's a Kevin McCarthy rave, uh, you know, almost like a pep rally. You know, I think the way a lot of Republicans are looking at the Senate map is there are some races that once were very promising that are off the board. But the path to getting just that one Senate seat Republicans need for McConnell to get back the majority is actually looking pretty, you know, at least the 50, I think McConnell said 50-50. That sounds about right. The, the majority is going to be made through three big Senate races, Pennsylvania, Georgia, and Nevada. Whoever gets the three-game series, whoever takes two of those three is going to hold the, the Republican or Democratic majority come, come next year. And all those races are toss-ups within the margin of error as close as they come. So 
that, that those are the three to watch. It does seem like, you know, Ron Johnson is doing better in Wisconsin. Republicans are optimistic about Florida and in North Carolina. Democrats think that they, uh, you know, that they, that they have a, a good chance in Pennsylvania and Georgia, but Republicans have momentum in both of those races. So th- this is this is what it's coming down to. Nevada, uh, Georgia and Pennsylvania, Dr. Oz, Herschel Walker and Adam Laxalt for the Republicans. What about Ohio? Ohio is a pretty red state, at least it's a pretty uh, Trump-friendly state, though Democrats do have a strong candidate in Tim Ryan, and J.D. Vance has not been running a particularly good campaign. Republicans think ultimately they win that state just because it's a Trump plus eight state. It's one that's pretty red when it comes down to it. But, you know, if there's a wild card, Republicans would point to Ohio. But there's something that could be an unpleasant surprise on election night. It's going to be J.D. Vance in Ohio. Uh, I want you to hear this yesterday. Uh, To me, this goes beyond a gaffe. Cut 17. I want to thank all of you here for including bipartisan elected officials like Representative Governor, Senator Braun, Senator Booker, Representative Jackie, are you here? Where's Jackie? I didn't think she was, she was going to be here. She uh, passed away in a car accident. And he had called the family though and spoke to the husband. So what do you, what's your take on that? Look, it's, it, it's one of those little data points that you see with, with this president at, at, at the White House that you know, raises doubts about whether he's up to snuff for another term when when he would be in his 80s and he would finish it if he, if he won a second term he would be 80 president biden would be 86 at the end of end of his second term you see, i think a lot of average voters really do worry about uh the, the president's age and I, I don't i don't know if they have like significant concerns about his ability to handle the job now but they you they see these these little clips and and and, and these little uh, problems or you know memory law mem- mem- memory lapses and I, I, I just think that's going to be a big problem in convincing the public to reelect uh, him for a second term. And look, Biden himself on 60 Minutes did not, notably did not commit to, to running for another term. He, he seemed to be leaving his options open. Uh, and I, I do think the age issue is underappreciated by a lot of folks in Washington uh, in terms of you know, voters just having a real resistance to electing someone in their 80s to, 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 to the highest job in the land. Yeah, I would think so. And this is probably the worst example of spinning I've ever heard. And this question's from the Washington Post, cut 18. If the late Congresswoman was top of mind for the president and her family was expected to be here and that's what he was thinking about, what, why was he looking for her? I'm, I'm not trying to be snarky here. No, I mean, and I'm... No. What you were saying and what he said there. And again... I think people can understand. I think the American people out there who, you know, watch the briefing uh, from time to time, maybe at this moment, will understand when someone is at top of mind. Uh, and uh, and this was such an important, uh, such an important event when we're talking about hunger, when we're talking about food insecurity. Okay, I can't. About- so she's saying they was at top of mind, and then they asked for the teleprompter. I could not believe the Washington Post asked for. Can we have the teleprompter copy? What are they, uh, Josh? What are they pursuing there? I mean, are they uh, now all of a sudden they're getting aggressive on Joe Biden's slip-ups? <laughs> Brian, sometimes I think the the White House and the press, you know, press secretary would be better off just saying he made a mistake and 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 and, and not trying to spin uh, what was kind of obvious for anyone to see with their own two eyes. But you know that 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 that's part pretty much the, the practice of, of, of this administration in that they kind of dig in uh, when, when, when the president, 
you know, slips up or, or says something kind of cringeworthy as he did yesterday. Uh, it, it, they don't like to, to take an out. So they are they're going to spin this till the very end. Go get him, Josh. Uh, it's going to be an interesting sprint to the end as we deal with this hurricane and five weeks to the midterms. Josh Kreischer, thanks so much. Thanks, Brian. one 408 I'll come back and take your calls. And then at the bottom of the hour, welcome in Dr. Ben Carson. Busy day. So glad you're here. Honest commentary. Unique opinions. No agenda. It's Brian Kilmeade. If you're interested in it, Brian's talking about it. You're with Brian Kilmeade. Welcome back, everybody. Brian Kilmeade here finishing out this half hour. And then Dr. Ben Carson's coming up next. Talk a little about race in America. I think it's pretty telling that Senator Fetterman, excuse me, uh, Lieutenant Governor Fetterman, who resigned to, after his stroke and now he went to run and become the next senator from Pennsylvania, scrubbed Black Lives Matters from his website. My goodness, an endorsement from Black Lives Matter would deliver you every inner city. But they've been so overrun with corruption. Nobody wants to head up that organization. Millions of dollars sitting in their account. And now he's realizing his pro, his anti-law enforcement stance is going to kill him because guess who's catching him? Dr. Oz. Once Dr. Oz gets the rest of Republicans to consolidate behind him and, you know, the Dave McCormick group, the people that reported Pat Toomey, once they get behind him, I think he should pull away. And and it's not – Dr. Oz, I think, is extremely talented, and I know he's new at it, and maybe he made some missteps with some tapes. The other thing is I think Fetterman is terrible, let alone – but with or without a stroke, terrible. He's afraid to debate because where he stands on issues will destroy him in the election. He wants to not bring up the things that define him, like anti-fracking, raising taxes, pro-criminal – Radio that makes you think. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. The most important thing is the safety of the folks who uh, are in difficult circumstances. And that began in the wee hours of the morning. Uh, We've had Coast Guard rescues. We've had urban search and rescue teams from the state of Florida. We've had the National Guard uh, down in southwest Florida. People have been being rescued uh, on a a minute-by-minute basis, and that's going to continue to go. And obviously, when you have barrier islands like Sanibel, where that bridge has now been uh, knocked out, uh, the only way to get there right now is through air operations. And so we're running helicopters, both Chinook and Blackhawk helicopters, into those barrier islands, rescuing residents who were there. We heard from a, I heard from a lawmaker that a couple of people, they saw some bodies. And then we have a sheriff came out and said they think hundreds are dead, mostly from those barrier islands. And we're looking at Hurricane now, Tropical Storm Ian, which is now blitzing the Jacksonville area en route to Georgia. Uh, Jacksonville, about 40 minutes to Georgia. Dr. Ben Carson here, uh, no, no stranger to government in emergency capacity. He was there with HUD as the 17th Secretary of the Department of Housing and Urban Development. Also knows pressure as a brain surgeon. There was no day at the office that was easy. He's also author of this book, Created Equal, The Painful Past, Confusing Present, and Hopeful Future of Race in America. Dr. Carson, welcome back. 
Thank you, Brian. It's always wonderful to be with you. Yeah. So these emergency situations, there was no there was no difference uh, four years ago with President Trump. It uh, amazes me that a lot of people stay behind. And then it would alerted me is that when I started reading some of these stories, a lot of people said, all I have is my house. I'd rather die than lose my house. Everything I have is uh, that I own is here. So I want to try to save it. Other people said, I'm not leaving because I don't have the money to go pay for a hotel room. Even if you tell me I get reimbursed, I have no room on my credit card. Did you find some of that? I think we find a lot more of it now uh, because people are in much worse economic yep. shape right now. And uh, that really does color your perceptions. And a lot of people say, well, why did they stay? Those people are just dumb. But a lot of times they feel hemmed in. And one of the first things I started thinking about, you know, when I saw that we were near a Category 5 uh, hurricane, is that there's going to be a whole lot of homeless people. <laughs> they're just not going to have a place to go because their places are going to be destroyed. Some of them don't have good insurance. I mean, we have a couple that with all the people who are coming in from the southern border. The pressure on housing is going to be absolutely enormous. You've already got a thousand people a day moving to Florida, you know, from the north, and this is just going to compound that problem significantly. It's going to slow it's it down big all time. Of us working yeah. In, yeah, we're going to have to work together uh, in order to get through this. We're going to have to put partisan politics aside and just recognize that you know these are our fellow citizens. This could happen to any of us. It is, and the president of the United States evidently called the president now after waiting about four days. Uh, from we knew this was bearing down on Florida, he finally called the governor yesterday, Governor DeSantis, and then he called again this morning. So maybe, number one, political, politically savvy, he's got a few seats he wants to win and so, a senator he'd like to seat. And number two is maybe he understands it's not going to work for him at all if you leave DeSantis isolated. And that Corrine Jean-Pierre's answer when asked before he called, well, he never called the governor from Mississippi uh, because of their water issue, and that was okay. I could not believe that that answer. That's that's incredible. I mean, when when I was secretary and we knew a storm was coming, I always called the governor and always talked to all the essential people many days before it even hit. (laughs) We had a plan in in place, and we talked about what we would do and how they could count on us and what numbers to call. And uh, now we're in this political uh, situation where everything has to be some kind of political game. But let's let's pray for our leaders and let's hope that yeah. at some point they can put that aside and recognize that we're all Americans. We're not each other's enemies. And uh, just stop all this this stuff. And, and, you know, this is America. We can do almost anything if we put our minds to it. So here is I want to give you a good feeling now. Here's what President Biden said yesterday. Cut seven. I spoke with Governor DeSantis for some time. My team has been in constant contact with him from the very beginning. And uh, and the mayors of Tampa, St. Pete's, uh, and uh, Clearwater. And my message has been absolutely clear, is that that we are on the alert and in action. We've approved every request Florida has made for temporary assistance, emergency assistance, long-term assistance that I've received. 
And and the top of that, would got, so DeSantis said, well, now I have to talk to the president again because it got it's so much worse, a lot more in central Florida. And he said if they can declare a natural disaster, and you know this, you live this, then that means you can go find a FEMA service center and you could apply for individual aid. Hey, I need a place to live. I need a subsidy to get into a hotel. I need some uh, subsidy to go to uh, to get some clothes. Uh, I need to be able to take out a loan, uh, a low interest loan. So now yeah. if you declare it a natural emergency, you can do that. I remember with Sandy on Long Island, that's what happened. And they end up set, keeping this place open for over a year. And, you know, we've got plenty of money to do this. All we can do, all we need to do is divert some of all that COVID money that's not being used uh, and use it for a purpose like this, which is very clear. And stop, you know, being political about everything. We've got the resources that we need. Uh, all we need is is the kind of leadership that galvanizes the strength of the American people. I hear you. So listen to the president on 60 Minutes a couple of weeks ago. Is the pandemic over? The pandemic is over. We still have a problem with COVID. We're still doing a lot of work on it. Uh, it's But the pandemic is over. If you notice, no one's wearing masks. So, so he says it's over. Meanwhile, Nancy Pelosi's trying to jam through another $22 million in emergency spending. Meanwhile, they're trying to get rid of Title 42 because they say it's over. At the same time, uh, telling everybody uh, that it's, it's not over. It would be funny if it, if it wasn't so tragic. I mean, this is almost like the Wizard of Oz, you know. And he said something, and then the others come out and say, don't mind that man behind the curtain. You know, he's just not important. And, uh, you know, this is a serious time in our country's history where we, we need real leadership that the people can count on. And uh, we don't have that. And it's hurting us severely. Of course, the pandemic is over. Don't be ridiculous. All you have to do is what, what's the definition of a pandemic? It's not going on now. But nobody wants to release it if they can use it to control people. And I think the American people are absolutely sick and tired of it. Uh, They're sick and tired of the lying. They're sick and tired of the fact that, you know, it's taking them so long to acknowledge natural immunity, because if they acknowledge natural immunity, then they can't say everybody has to get the jab. And natural immunity is actually much more effective than the vaccine. And, you know, if you could just level with people, and allow them to work with their own health care systems and their health care providers and not intimidate the doctors, you know, by saying, you know, we're going to cancel you, we're going to take your license. You know, we have everything in place that we need in order to take care of the health of our people. The only thing we need now is honest leadership. Dr. Ben Carson, our guest. So, Dr. Carson, we've also three variants in. And we, we no longer does that vaccine uh, effective the way it was when we had the original COVID-19. So now we have people with four or five shots getting it two or three times, including uh, and sometimes there's a therapeutic out there that you take. And we watch the president of the United States spend most of the states spend most of August in quarantine because he kept getting it and was unable to shake it. What about all those people that lost their jobs because they weren't vaccinated? I have a good friend that was kicked out of Sloan Kettering 22 years as a cancer nurse. And they told her, if you do Absolutely. not get vaccinated, you're fired. And they fired her. It's, it's horrible that they would do this. What's worse is that they won't admit that it was unfair that they did these people an injustice and try to make it up to them. Instead, they just double down on it. 
And uh, look what's happened to the airline industry. All of a sudden, there's a ton of mechanical problems. No, that's not what it is. It's because so many people, pilots, and, you know, the stewardesses and people, you know, quit. And it makes it very difficult for them to keep the schedules up. And, you know, that's happened in a lot of other areas as well. And we should just face the fact that we made a mistake and uh, the pandemic is over and we've learned how to live with it. And we've got a lot of therapies now and we know how to deal with it. And it's much weaker now and it's becoming endemic. And let's deal with it and move on rather than continue to try to get some kind of political advantage from it. Right. And now we just stop talking about it because I just worry about after November what Democrats are going to try to do with these demands because they know they're not going to get a vote if they continue to uh, crack down on them. So I got I got to ask you, too, about uh, this guy, Lieutenant Gov- Governor Fetterman. Turns out he is so weak on crime, they scrubbed his website. They also took out all references to Black Lives Matter. What has happened to the perception of Black Lives Matter, uh, Dr. Carson? Well, I think people recognize that uh, what mattered to them is how much money they could get <laughs> to enrich themselves. They're not really doing anything for the black community, unfortunately. And, you know, they are Marxist. And, you know, the Marxist philosophies are in complete contradistinction to what American ideas are. It's one of the reasons that they took a lot of that stuff off of their website about them wanting to dissolve the patriarchal traditional family. But uh, I think people in America are smart enough to know that we don't want to trade what we have in this country for socialism and Marxism. And the reason that our founders emphasized the fact that people have to be well-informed and educated for our system to work is because they knew that if people were not well-informed, it would be very easy to deceive them. And, you know, you see some of those man-on-the-street interviews when they come and ask Scary. simple questions. Yeah. You know, who who fought in the Civil War? And they'll say, uh, I think it was Spain and, and Africa. I mean, they, they just have no idea. And how can people who are that ignorant make good decisions? And they know that so they can manipulate those people. And I'm very concerned about what's going on with our, with our public education. You know, when you look at us vis-a-vis other industrialized nations, particularly in STEM areas, we are far behind. And it's not because we don't know this stuff. There must be something going on with our educational system that we can correct and fix this. I hope so. Also, Dr. Carson, no doubt about it, the president of the United States is running the new Green Deal, jammed it down our throats in front of the Inflation Reduction Act. What I don't think is appreciated, when you do this green energy things— uh, and you do this, how does it affect the minority community or low income commu- the low income communities well it, it, first of all, financially it, it has a terrible impact. I mean, look what 's happening to the prices of gas, and then that has a domino effect on everything else because things have to be transported and who 's being hurt the most by that? Obviously, those who have incomes that are not high, and you know when they said are taxing will not affect anybody with an income of less than $400,000. Well, the worst kind of tax you can apply is inflation because that hits the people at the lower end of the income scale much more heavily than it does anybody else. And 
I do actually believe a lot of people are smart enough to realize that. You know, they are the, the, the people who want to fundamentally change their society are dependent upon people not being very well informed and people being very easy to manipulate. That's what they count on. And I, I think they're counting on something that doesn't exist. I think the majority of people in this country actually have common sense and can reason this out. I hope so, uh, Dr. Carson. I do think they, they tried to divide the country on racial lines. I think it blew up in their face. I think they said, uh, we have to have compassion for people in prison. I think it put us all in jeopardy. And when you got two lawmakers who came out to defund the police and got carjacked from Pennsylvania uh, to uh, Michigan within 90 minutes of each other, Karen Bass, who's basically a communist who studied in Cuba, who wants to be the next mayor of Los Angeles, gets uh, gets her house robbed. I think people that all wanted to show that they were above it all and our criminal justice system was so corrupt, I hope they see the light. It's it's almost as if God is <laughs> saying, look, how much clearer can I make it to you people? Right. There's but, just play, uh, the same people committing the same crimes and the, and the, the random victimness of it. It isn't cr- uh, gang against gang. It is people preying on other people, destroying businesses and livelihoods. I, I hope things turn around. Uh, and optimism- I, I hope they do for the sake of the American people, because we should not be in a situation where we have to scratch our heads twice and say, can we go out to dinner or is it safe? Hey, do I you, mean, that's not a, that's not America. Do you hope uh, President Trump runs again? Uh, well, I, I hope there's a, a whole plethora of choices. And uh, I think President Trump, actually, his policies were extremely good. I think one of the reasons that people dislike him so much is because he was an outsider and he came in and got stuff accomplished that the insider couldn't do. And that that ticked a lot of people off. Uh, uh, Dr. Ben Carson, thanks so much. Appreciate it. All right. Always good to be with you, Brian. Thank Uh, you. Pick up his book, Created Equal. Back in a moment, I'll take your phone calls. You're listening to The Brian Kilmeade Show. Coming to you on a need-to-know basis, because, man, do you need to know. It's Brian Kilmeade. Breaking news. Unique opinions. Hear it all on the Brian Kilmeade Show. Getting a chance to tie, you know, Roger Maris, not only a a Yankee legend, but a, a baseball legend is... An incredible honor and you know a great achievement that you know, I don't take lightly. That's for sure. And you know having the support from you know his son here, and, you know my family here, it's uh, means the world to me. And that is Aaron Judge. After the home run, was able to uh, be look at his mom who's behind the behind home plate as he now tied Roger Maris at 61 homers, about on the cusp of winning the triple crown. No one's close. I mean, in homers and RBIs, nobody's close. And then you have a situation where he goes home to Yankee Stadium. He's going to have a chance to do it in front of a capacity crowd in the Bronx. And, yes, we'll simulcast the game with Amazon. Brian, you'll listen on WABC in Yonkers, New York. Hey, Brian. Hi, Brian. Um, yes, I wanted to comment about the um, – I think it was CNN wanting to see the teleprompter uh, text of Biden's speech. Uh, what do you think behind that? Well, I don't know whether it's the his staff is inept or, you know, it, did, he, did the president just misread or – did his staff not uh, double check the the teleprompter and make sure that uh, that lady's name wasn't on it? You know, they're, I don't know if they're trying to sabotage the president or if they just don't know what they're doing. But either way, it's horrible. It just embarrasses the president, and um, and it just you know just looks horrible. And then the other thing about uh, the the press secretary coming up with these um, slick 
um, expressions, you know, top of top of mind. I never heard that. You know, ah, if, if, ah, if they would <laughs> really, if they if terrible. they would concentrate more on more on uh, the real issues instead of trying to be so slick all the time. They, they might get, you know, get something done. <laughs> hey, Brian, you know, so, sometimes you, you misspeak. For, the, for example, the same day, the vice president uh-huh. is in South Korea saluting North Korea, not even realizing <laughs> what she said. And the president doesn't know if she's dead or not. I mean, he called <laughs> a dad. I mean, all you do, listen, I get it all the time. Sometimes you get copy, not from everybody here, Pete. I'm not insulting you. Sometimes you get copy mm-hmm. that's just wrong. And he just amended right. it. go, yeah, okay, just to check that. Of course, she passed away, uh, but I want to salute her for the work she did leading up before her tragic accident. We never would have thought about it again. But right. instead, yeah. they try mm-hmm. to make believe we don't understand exactly what we just heard. I don't know why this administration keeps doing that. Yeah, they, they keep insulting the American people's intelligence with, with the border, with, uh, it, it, with with all the, all the business there. They're just being ridiculous about. And the right. vice president has no business being in Korea when they got this border wide open. Yeah, that would she help. Yeah, I think they want to go to uh, Shinzo Abe's funeral. Brian Kilmichio. This is Jimmy Fallon, inviting you to join me for Fox Across America, where we'll discuss every single one of the Democrats' dumb ideas. Just kidding. It's only a three-hour show. Listen live at noon Eastern or get the podcast at foxacrossamerica.com. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.